Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. Lord, I pray over everyone here that we all come to a decision. We give ourselves to you. We give ourselves to you. We got to believe in where we were in repentance. Thank you, Lord God, that you would come and indwell like friends breaking bread together at, at dinner in the same house. A sinner like me. Thank you, Father God. I don't deserve it, but I do thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. So as 1 Corinthians twelve thirteen says, for by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, whether Jew or or Gentile. Thank God. <laughs> Whether slaves are free and have all been made to drink in, into one spirit. Friends, if the Bible does not excite you, you're not reading it. Anyway, happy Shavuot, everybody, Pentecost. Let's go into Judges 2, and we're going to try to finish up what we're in in, in Judges 2. Israel's disobedience. The Israelites, they didn't kick the enemies out that God told them to eliminate. And as a result of them compromising and mixing in with the enemy, they ultimately started to worship their false gods too. So God said, I will no longer drive them out from before you. They will be thorns in your side, and their gods will be a snare to you. Doesn't sound good at all. Now, this is one of those things where most people think that God is not going to uphold his promises anymore. Well, you messed up. I'm done with you. Bye. Even though God has to execute this kind of judgment on Israel, He still told them, I will never break my covenant with you. And that's very promising to me, because I'm going to mess up now and then. But even still, and you will too, don't look at me like that. (laughs) Even though we mess up sometime, God says, you get in covenant with me, I won't break my covenant with you. I'm thankful for that. And so, Joshua dies. He's died now. Once he's gone, it's like Israel forgot all about everything God ever did. You ever seen somebody do that? You do all these great things, and as soon as they leave, they forgot all about it. That's what Israel did with God, and they went right back to worshiping Baal. So God handed them over to being plundered by the very enemy that they refused to eliminate. But once Joshua and his leadership team died, that whole generation after them did not know the Lord or anything he had done for them at all. It's like we're starting all over again. Judges 2 and 11, Israel's unfaithfulness. Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals, and they forsook the Lord God of their fathers who had brought them out of the land of Egypt, and they followed other gods from among the gods of the people who were all around them. And they bowed down to them, and they provoked the Lord to anger. They forsook the Lord and served Baal and the Ashtoreths, and the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. 
So he delivered them into the hands of plunderers who despoiled them, and he sold them into the hands of their enemies all around, so that they could no longer stand before their enemies. Wherever they went out, the hand of the Lord was against them. A lot of people don't believe this. Here it is. This is what happens when you forsake the Lord and turn your back on him. And he was against them for calamity, as the Lord had said. And as the Lord had sworn to them, and they were greatly distressed. Okay, well, whose fault is that? Is it God's? Well, who's the one that turned? I'm just, guys, I just, to whoever hearing me, I'm just, you're, you're in sin, you know it's sin, you know it's wrong, but then you look at your life and go, why do I have all these problems? Well, surely it's not the Lord because the Lord's always behind me. He's always with me. The Lord's always for me. Well, if you turn your back on the Lord, there comes a point he's against. Now, why would God do such a thing as that? He's trying to get you to turn back around back to him so that you will put the equation together, two and two. Oh, well, let's see. When I follow God, things work out rather okay. I'm not saying all your problems go away. I'm saying it's a lot more blessed than if you're not walking with him big time. God lets us fall to these kind of things like that to teach us a lesson, right? Judges 2 and 16, nevertheless, oh, I love that. Sin, 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 sin. We're going after other gods, other gods. Nevertheless, (laughs) wow, that's a powerful word in the Bible. Nevertheless, the Lord raised up judges who delivered them out of the hand of those who plundered them. Oh, good gracious. We don't deserve that, guys. If you're sitting there thinking, well, the Israelites don't deserve that. They're following other gods. Well, do we deserve that? Do we deserve a deliverer in Jesus Christ? No, we don't. Look at how God is. This shows us the love and grace of God. That even after all that, I'm still going to send you judges. That's awesome. Terrible sin. Nevertheless, he's going to save them. Verse 16 says the Lord sent them a judge. He sent them judges to deliver them from their enemy. These judges are their deliverer. Now, the book of Judges has, has been building up. It's building up sin after sin after sin, forsaking God time after time after time, and God's wrath is being provoked. Nevertheless, ugh, trying to get us in this picture here. <laughs> Nevertheless, God sends them deliverers. This is the love of God. This is the love of God. When we see people out there that are conducting themselves in a terrible way, and I know a bunch of kind of people types just popped in your head, they're conducting themselves in an ungodly way, and it just burns them up. You're like, look at them. They need to stop that, and it makes you angry. Remember the nevertheless. Nevertheless, God wants to send deliverers. How many times did he send people to talk to you to wake you up. I'll tell you, it spent a good 30 years or so coming after me before I snapped to it. And he sent me one ultimate deliverer, Jesus Christ. But look how Israel is behaving. They're worshiping Baal, which involves a lot of messed up sexual craziness. They are submerged in this mess. And yet God is still going to send them deliverers. Wow. This one verse has given us a summary look of the entire book of Judges. The whole book of Judges looks like this verse right here. Verse 16, if you set it all on its own, it tells us how this whole book is going to go. 
This is the whole summary. Israel messes up, but the Lord is going to send them judges to deliver them. And it says judges, plural. That means he's going to send more than one. Not, well, I sent you one, you didn't listen. Too bad. Judge after judge after judge, deliverer after deliverer to get to the people. God is doing a great work with great patience, and He's giving them many opportunities. He's giving Israel a lot of opportunities to turn. Now, thankfully for us in eternal matters, it only took one deliverer to save all mankind. One deliverer. But in this man time, linear time thing, God has to send many judges to span a long period of time, longer than men can live. We have Jesus that took care of that delivery for us. Now, this book is going to demonstrate to us how patient God is towards His people. He was patient with me, and you know He was patient with you. I don't have to convince you of that. You know. <laughs> and so, Second Peter 3.9, it tells us that God is long-suffering toward us. Why would God be long-suffering toward us? Because Second Peter 3.9 also says, because He is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's why He sends many judges. He wants all the people He can to turn back to Him. This is how God dealt with you. This is how God dealt with me. Guys, we got to get a hold of this, what God has done for us. Wow. Judges 2 and 17. Yet they would not listen to their judges, but they played the harlot with other gods and bowed down to them. They turned quickly from the way in which their fathers walked in obeying the commandments of the Lord. They did not do so. When you play the harlot, what does that mean? It means you sell yourself. They sold their self away. That's what harlots do. Prostitutes. They turned quickly. So here's another peek ahead at the rest of the book. That not only is God going to send them many judges, but also they're not going to listen. You know, I would get to the, me as a human being, a flawed, fallible human man. I would think, I sent you, I gave you three chances Three strikes, you're out, buddy. Baseball, you're done. God sent them judge after judge. He, why? He loves them. He wants people to repent. He kept sending them more. He wants them to turn. And so many people give up on others so quickly. You ever have somebody do that to you? They give up on you so fast. They think God does the same thing to man. He doesn't. He is long-suffering, very, very patient towards man. Aren't you glad God was long-suffering with you? I'm glad God was long-suffering with me. I'm telling you, God put up with a lot out of me. But God is very patient with us. But that's why He sends so many judges, so that people will turn. Judges 2 and 18. And when the Lord raised up judges for them, the Lord was with the judge and delivered them out of the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge. For the Lord was moved to pity by their groaning because of those who oppressed them and harassed them. And it came to pass when the judge was dead that they reverted and behaved more corruptly than their fathers by following other gods to serve them and bow down to them. They did not cease from their own doings nor from their, own, their stubborn way. Oh, guys, once a judge died, they just reverted back to the way they were, but it got worse each time. 
Every time we send a judge, we're good. Till the judge is gone, then poof, we're worse than we were. And what I love about this passage is that even though these people are victims of their own disobedience, now realize their own disobedience is what propagated this mess. They didn't take care of that enemy and eliminate them. So they're kind of victims of their own disobedience. They pretty much caused their own mess because of how they behaved. But God is still moved with pity to save them. That person, people that you know out there that are still being knuckleheads, doing all that damaging mess out there, pray for them. Pray for them like God looked at Israel. Have pity for them. They're in unrepentant sin. They're not saved yet. They don't know any better. Pray for them. Have pity on them. Don't get so angry at them that by the time you see them, you're so mad they they can't sense the love of Christ in you. Have pity on them. But God still was moved with pity for them. Friends, this is how a parent feels towards their kids. No matter how much your kids mess up, even if their mistake is because they would not listen to you, you still hurt for them when they are in pain. Why? Because they're yours. Because you love them unconditionally. That is how Father God is towards His children. So let's try to relate with God why He's doing this, because they're His. He loves them. He's a parent to them. Judges 2 and 20, Then the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel, and He said, Because this nation has transgressed my covenant, which I commanded their fathers, and has not heeded my voice, I also will no longer drive out before them any of the nations which Joshua left when he died, so that through them I may test Israel. Guys, did y'all hear that? He's not going to take out the enemy so that through them, through that enemy, I may test Israel, whether they will keep the ways of the Lord to walk in them as their fathers kept them or not. Therefore, the Lord left those nations without driving them out immediately, nor did he deliver them into the hand of Joshua. Okay, God has, okay, you didn't drive the enemy out. I'm going to use this. I will use it for something. The enemy is going to stay in the land for four reasons. we got four reasons to hit up here. One of them is punishment, idolatry of false gods, intermarriage, identifying themselves not as holy but like the Canaanites. They did exactly what he told them not to do. This will get you in trouble. Don't go that way. So there's going to be repercussions for that. Two, to test Israel's faithfulness. Are they going to obey or rebel? You think God knows what they're going to do? So who's the testing for? It's for them, not for God, okay? But three, also, and we're going to see that here coming up, they're going to learn, they're going to gain experience in warfare because they're going to have to be fighting. And we're going to see that ahead in Judges 3.1. Now, these are the nations which the Lord left, that he might test Israel by them, that is, all who had not known any of the wars of Canaan. This was only so that the generations of the children of Israel might be taught to know war at least those who had not formerly known it. Okay, God's going to use this enemy for something. And the fourth thing that God has here is to prevent the land from becoming a wilderness, to keep the animals and the growth and everything getting too crazy out of hand. And that's shown to us in Deuteronomy 7.22 that I think is down there. It says, And the Lord your God will drive out those nations before you little by little. You will be unable to destroy them at once, lest the beasts of the field become too numerous. For you. 
That's why he did that. So there's a reason for the enemy to be around there. They're going to keep the beast down. They're going to keep the, the wilderness from going too crazy. If you took all the enemy out now all at one time, now you got an animal problem. There's, there's a whole lot of things going on here. A whole lot of things going on here. Now, it's kind of neat that what God is doing here with this. Is so as, as Israel learns to obey, as long as the enemy is still around, they're going to serve the purpose. That enemy is going to serve the purpose of keeping the wildlife out. What this means is that even though Israel's enemy is a snare, they are still being used as a tool. Did you know that your enemies that are out to get you, that are out to take you down, did you know that God still uses them for His purpose? Nothing gets outside of God's purpose. Even those people that are not following Jesus, that have it out for you, God's using them. Well, I wish they would get saved. They're so... God's using them. I used to be that guy that you used to err about. Believe me. (laughs) But God conditioned me up to a point, and when I got saved, now I've got a character that I can now use, and God is testing Israel. He's building them up for war. He's teaching them, get up. Get moving. You ever go in there and the teenager's laying around? Get up and do something. <laughs> well, I'll put you through something that'll teach you how to get up and move. That's kind of what God's doing here. Now, I find this incredible that the enemy has this purpose. Even though the enemy is present, they still have a purpose in God's plan. Remember that when you consider what's going on out there in the world, even though our enemies reject God, they are still being used for His purpose. I guarantee you, it took a lot of enemies to wake me up. I got saved on September 11, 2001. It took terrorists knocking down buildings in my beloved United States of America to wake me up and snap out of it. Do you see how God can use our enemy for His purpose? He did for me, I guarantee you. So let's recall... The Lord is never going to break His covenant with Israel. They didn't kick the enemy out of the land. They're sinning against God, and so God is going to use the results of their disobedience to test them, which is going to bring pressure back on them to get back in line. You know, when you look at this whole thing here, this is like, wow, look at all this. When you look at this whole big encompassing mess, you really get to understand Romans 8.28 a whole lot better. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. Not your purpose. Not their purpose. God Almighty's purpose. All of it. Every bit of it. I can't believe that group. I can't look at what they're doing. His purpose. How come God allows that that group to stand there and do all that damage? His purpose. I don't know. Are we doing our part? Maybe they're to test us? You ever think of that? He's testing Israel. In the book of Judges, as well as in the world today, whether you're a child of God or not, He has a purpose. All things are going to work together for good. Don't worry. God has it. It's all going to work together for good. Does it say some things? That's something I really like to cue in on. All things. Well, yeah, yeah, but not that thing, Ray. Not that it can't be that thing. Ray, you don't know. You don't know. I don't need to know. God knows. All things together. This includes those who are hostile to him. It's a lot harder, though, when you try to buck the system. 
when you try to buck the system, it's always best to be in obedience with God and be on the good end of this all things. All things. There's a bad side. I want to be on the good side. I want to be on the obedient, repentant side. That's where the blessing is going to be. It's not going to work out too good for those who are on the disobedient side. But yet, even still, they are all working in God's purpose, whether they agree with God or not. God is ultimate control, ultimate power. That's why we call Him Almighty. But for those who are not on the obedient end, like we're seeing with Israel because they're disobedient, they're about to learn some tough lessons, really tough lessons. I'm sure you've been through a time when somebody allowed you to strain for the purpose of learning a good lesson. There's no teacher like experience. And God is going to use these circumstances of Israel disobeying. He's going to use it to teach Israel how good it is to turn back to God. To turn back to God. Friend, what if you could disobey and be unrepentant and walk in sin all you want to, and there were no consequences to it at all? God just says, ah, leave them alone. Would you ever come back to God? No, you really wouldn't because we have a sin nature. It is only because God used these tools, these these things against, these enemy things against us to pressure us, to teach us something, to get us to turn back, that we actually turn back. God has to use all, God uses His power and all these things at His complete and total disposal to wake us up and get us to turn back around. You know, you didn't just wake up one day and say, I'll get saved. Something had to work on you for a while that pressured you that said, man, I can't take this anymore. God goes, come on, repent. Let's get with Jesus Christ. So God is going to use the circumstances to teach Israel how good it is to turn back to him. Now I want to pop into Judges 3 real quick and we're done. Judges 3, 1. These are the nations which the Lord left that he might test Israel by them. That is, all who had not known any of the war in Canaan, this was only so that the generations of the children of Israel might be taught to know war, at least those who had not formerly known it. God has a purpose in everything He does. That pressure you're going through, that trial you're going through, the reason you're going through it is God is building you up for war. You've got bigger things coming ahead that you're not ready for, and He's going to get you ready. That enemy has a purpose. Oh, Lord, why is this happening to me? Lord, why are you letting this happen to me? What did I do? Either you're in disobedience, or maybe God needs to build you up for war ahead, or both. I don't know. God is going to use all things. Father, thank you for today, Lord God. Thank you for Shavuot. Thank you, Lord God, that even though we are sinful, sinful people, Lord, I'm saved in my spirit, but my flesh is vile. It is terrible. It is sinful. That's why Paul said, who will save me from this body of death? That Lord God, whether Jew or Gentile, whether wheat or barley, you would still, that we are all people, you would still send your indwelling Holy Spirit to indwell us all. That even though we have failed you time and time again and again, ignorantly, sinfully, nevertheless, You sent us a deliverer through Jesus Christ. Thank you, God. I do not deserve it. I acknowledge it. Jesus, you are my Lord. Like the wave offering, Lord, here I am. I give myself to you. Use me. I am yours. I give you my best, my first, 
my first fruits up front. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you for coming after us, our deliverer. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.